the heart of organizing, a heart-centered look at getting organized with professional organizer Andy Hartman. Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Heart of Organizing. This is Andy Hartman bringing you another podcast. I'd first like to say thank you for the listener feedback I've received. I've been hearing from you that you appreciate the podcast, that you benefit from it, and that you've been waiting for the next one. This brings me to an apology. I'm sorry for the delay in getting you this podcast. I realize it's been almost a month since the last one, but the delay is related to some exciting news. I have created the Heart of Organizing blog. I've heard from some listeners that the podcast format doesn't work for everyone, so I've created a blog that will parallel the podcast. I will continue to produce the podcast, but now for each podcast, I will also create a blog post with the same content. So now it's up to you if you'd like to listen to the podcast or read the blog. Each format, of course, has its own benefits. I think the podcast is more entertaining, it has great music, and you can listen to it while you're driving or doing other things. With the blog, it's possible to print, to search, and to create links to and from any post. It might be easier for someone with a slow internet connection or who's not comfortable with the podcast format. Finally, it's really easy to comment on any post, and you may do so anonymously. Since you're listening to this, you already know how to access the podcast. The blog can be accessed by clicking on the blog link on my website, clutterfreeservices.com. Since the last podcast, I set up the blog on my website, created and posted text versions for each podcast I've done so far, and created links from each podcast on my website to the corresponding blog post and vice versa. All this took a huge amount of time and effort and is the main reason for my delay in bringing you this podcast. In the future, I intend to produce new podcasts on a more regular basis. Today, I'd like to wrap up my discussion of simplifying by addressing a few more challenges you may face when deciding whether something should stay or go. The challenges I describe and the reasoning behind them are all based on examples I have seen while working as a professional organizer and discussions I've had with clients. Part 1. Mrs. Zimmerman said, I don't want this thing and I don't intend to ever use it again, but I don't want to get rid of it because I don't want it to go to waste. I don't want it to go to waste. Well, I believe waste is when something's not being used to its full potential. If you're storing something you're not going to use, it's effectively being wasted. Not only is the item itself being wasted, but the space it takes up is being wasted. The time and energy you spend moving it and cleaning it is being wasted. And the time you spend looking around it to try and find something else is being wasted. Furthermore, it's possible that someone else out there is looking for an item like yours right now. If you keep yours unused in the back of your garage, then that person is going to have to go out and buy a new one, therefore causing energy and resources to be wasted unnecessarily in its production. So if you keep something you're not going to use, it's effectively wasted. If you throw it in the garbage, it's wasted also. 
The best way to ensure that the item is not wasted is to get it into the hands of someone who can use it. Ways to do that include donating to Salvation Army, Goodwill, schools, reuse organizations, other charities, or friends. It could also include selling the item at a yard sale, on eBay, or on Craigslist. Or it could include giving the item away on FreeCycle or on Craigslist. I will devote a future podcast to the best ways to get unneeded stuff into the hands of people who can use it. Until then, you can use the extensive list of resources on our website. Just go to clutterfreeservices.com and click resources. Part 2. Occasionally, I've noticed someone may hesitate to let something go because of some kind of an unrealistic notion of value. Let's look at two different ways this might show up. The first is valuing an object based on what you paid for it, or what it was worth in the past. For example, Michael said, I don't want to let go of this camera because I paid $700 for it in 1995, and it's still brand new, I've hardly used it. Michael feels like he made a big investment in a possession, and since he hasn't used it very much, he feels like he didn't get a good return on that investment. But when I asked him if he would ever use it again, he replied, No way! I've got a digital camera now. If I use that old film camera, I'd have to pay for film, pay for developing, and I couldn't even tell if the picture came out until after it was developed. It's way too expensive and inefficient. Well, you know, there will be times when we realize that an investment we made didn't pay off the way we had hoped. With the financial crisis, there's been a lot of talk of toxic assets. A toxic asset is something that's worth less now than when you paid for it. Well, maybe this old camera has become a toxic asset. If you've ever said, hey, I paid good money for that, you may be evaluating an object based on its past value rather than its present value. If something is not important in your life, the fact that you paid a lot of money for it doesn't change the fact that it's not important in your life. The investment you made has already taken place. The question is, do you want to keep investing time, energy, and money in this object to store it and maintain it when you're not getting any benefit from it? The second counterproductive notion of value is evaluating an object based on market value as opposed to its value to you personally. Randy said, I'll never use this, but I could sell it right now for $500. There's a difference between the market value of an object and how it fits into your life. This may sound shocking, but I contend that the market value and what you paid for it are irrelevant to the question of whether it should stay or go. The only thing that matters is how valuable the item is to you personally, how much benefit you get from it, and how it supports what's important in your life. So when you're deciding whether something should stay or go, make that decision based on its value to you personally rather than its market value. But after you decide to let something go, then you can of course use the market value 
to decide how to let it go. Based on an item's market value, you may make different decisions about whether to donate it to a charity, give it to a friend, or try to sell it. In your collection of possessions, there may be objects that are broken that you intend to fix someday. This is an example of what I call a project, something in which you must invest time, effort, money, or all of these before you can get any benefit from it. For example, I've heard, I should fix the broken lamp in the basement and then use it in the office. I have all these supplies so that I can make a scrapbook and give it to my cousin as a gift. Now it's been my experience that most people have more projects on the back burner than they will ever actually do. Therefore, the same way we make decisions about which belongings to keep and which to let go, we also need to make decisions about which projects to hold on to and which to let go. If there are other activities in your life that are more important than fixing this lamp, then every minute you spend on the lamp is less time you have available for those other, more important parts of your life. Also, when you consider a project, is it a passion or an obligation? Is it something you feel excited about doing? Or do you feel it's something you should do? Please, please be particularly careful about the obligations, about those things you don't really want to do, but feel you should. It's been said that if you have too many shoulds, you start to live in a shoddy world. So please take care to should on yourself as little as possible. Well, it's been my experience that projects that are obligations never get done because there's always something more important or more enjoyable to do. So I suggest you take stock of all your projects and eliminate any that are shoulds. Then, for the projects you really do want to do, let go of all but the top three. After all, if these projects really were that important to you, you would have already done them. This podcast concludes my discussion of the common challenges you may encounter when simplifying. Simplifying your stuff can help you feel lighter, more positive, and more focused on what's important in your life. In the next podcast, we move on to the second S, sort, and some challenges you may encounter while sorting. I'm Andy Hartman, and this is The Heart of Organizing. If you have a comment or question, or would like to suggest a topic for discussion on the podcast, email us at podcast at clutterfreeservices.com. Andy is available for workshops and presentations about organizing. For more information, send an email to info at clutterfreeservices.com. Names of clients may have been changed to protect client confidentiality. Theme music composed and performed by Taper Shadburn. For more information about Taper's work and music, go to churchofsoul.org. Thank you for joining us for The Heart of Organizing. Until next time, may your possessions support you in living a life of meaning and value. 
some of y'all out there listening to Andy's podcast are suffering just like I am. You know what I'm talking about. You got too much stuff. My space remains a constant, but my belongings, they have grown. It's getting quite pathetic. I can't invite nobody home. Gotta move my piles around to try to find the phone. I got too much stuff The way that I accumulate is bordering on sin I got 27 staplers Well, okay, maybe only 10 But I can't find any of them So I'm gonna have to buy one again I got too much stuff I got too much stuff I've got more than enough I got no more space I need a bigger place Or maybe, baby, I got too much stuff I got 14 set of headphones I can put on my ears And an obscene amount of albums More than I could ever hear I got material possessions I ain't seen in years I got too much stuff my baby tried to take some of my precious stuff away I said, woman, don't you touch that I might need that stuff someday But between you and me, I, I think it's fair to say I got too much stuff I got too much stuff I've got more than enough Got no more space I need a bigger place Too much stuff I've got more than enough no more space I need a bigger place Or maybe I got too much stuff I got too much stuff Way too much stuff I think I need an intervention You know, like a Stuff Addicts 12-step program or something Pack Rats Anonymous. Andy, you gotta help me. I got, I got way, way, way too much stuff.